Hi, everyone. My name is Anastasia Lapatina, and you're listening to This Week in Ukraine, a podcast from the Kyiv Independent. Every week, I sit down with one of my newsroom colleagues to dive into Ukraine's most pressing issues. And today, we're looking into the leak of over 100 documents with top-secret American intelligence. U.S. official has already confirmed that some documents are real, while some appear to have been altered. To discuss what the documents reveal about Russia's war in Ukraine, I'm joined by Igor Kosov, a reporter at the Kyiv Independent. Igor, welcome to the show. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So, Igor, last week, on April 7th, the New York Times broke the story about a massive American intelligence leak. There were apparently hundreds of pages of documents uh, that appeared on different platforms at different points in time. And they contained all sorts of information, from campaign assessments of Russia's war in Ukraine, to China's possible involvement to the war, to even Wagner allegedly searching for arms deals in Turkey, and so on. But before we get into the substance of the leaks, what do we know about their origins? The origin of the leaks is really dumb because they first appeared in this app called Discord, which is basically a glorified chat room. Um, people can make different servers about different topics, mostly used by gamers. So the documents appeared on this uh, server dedicated to Minecraft. And from there, they were tracked to the server about dedicated to a YouTuber who makes geopolitical memes. And uh, the Bellingcat investigative guys actually, they, the people at that server probably got it from somewhere else. Uh, Bellingcat actually tracked it down to a server that was called Thug Shaker Central, though its name changes often. It's deleted now, but a user there told Bellingcat that the original leak started there. Obviously, we have no way to verify that. But um, yeah, about a month later, it started showing up on Telegram, on 4chan, and that's when people noticed. And then the story really took off. And then the intelligence community was like, oh, my. But originally, even before that, obviously, um, the documents come in the form of images that look like they were photographed, pages that have been printed out, folded and carried out, tucked somewhere, and later photographed, you know, like surrounded by random objects. I think there was some Gorilla Glue there, some other stuff. And these uh, pictures then just sort of slowly percolated through Discord and then social media, and they're on Twitter, and uh, now they're pretty much... God knows where they are. Hi, we've got an update for you. So in the hours that we were editing this episode, several really important investigations came out. The first was from the Washington Post, whose journalists actually went on Discord, the platform where the leaks were originally published, and found the friends of the user who allegedly leaked those documents. Those people told the Post that the leaker was a guy in his mid-20s. He loved guns, believed in God, and worked at a military base. For many months, this guy was allegedly sharing all sorts of intelligence inside a private, invite-only Discord server with around two dozen young gamers, including people from Ukraine and Russia. The scope of the leak also turned out to be much bigger than previously assumed. The post obtained around 300 photos of classified documents that this leaker shared, most of which haven't been made public before. One gamer told the post that this guy never intended to be a whistleblower. He just wanted to keep his online gaming family informed and, of course, to boost his status as the leader of their pack. But someone from the group did end up sharing those documents outside the server, publicly, and the fallout began. Less than a day after this investigation came out, there was another one, from the New York Times, 
who actually identified this guy. He's Jack Teixeira, a 21-year-old airman of Massachusetts National Guard. He essentially was their IT guy, whose job was to make sure that their secure lines of communication worked properly. He's been arrested on April 13th and is now facing charges under the Espionage Act, which might involve up to 10 years in prison for every single document that he leaked. With that in mind, keep listening as we dive into what the leaks told us about the war in Ukraine. To put this into context, how unprecedented is something like this in international politics? Was this surprising or is this common? No, it's not common. Um, By unprecedented, um, if we mean the magnitude of the impact these leaks uh, will have, then I think there is some argument to be made that there's little precedent for leaks about something so recent, so broad, and concerning such a large-scale war. There have been larger leaks before the uh, the WikiLeaks, um, the um, whistleblower Edward Snowden, when he exposed the, the breadth of the surveillance that the U.S. and its allies do. And that was certainly more documents, more information, a lot more information. This is o- over 100 pages, but these, uh, these Pentagon leaks, they're cover a lot of topics and they cover events that are happening now and their their impact is probably going to be. And do we know how authentic these documents are? Well, I mean, look, nobody has the full package. These are floating around. Some people have incomplete sets and then they compare them against each other and some of them overlap. Um, some of them, at least one has been modified that we know of. Uh, and we, we got to be careful before we trust you know, leaks, obviously we have to take precautions, but uh, there are arguments to be made for a lot of this stuff being mostly authentic. The DOD and the intelligence community uh, are treating this very seriously. They look like they've started investigations, uh, the Department of Defense started investigation. Um, There are intergovernmental panels now uh, trying to dig through this, uh, trying to figure out what happened. when intelligence community people talk to the media, they use phrases like, this makes me sick to my stomach. That's pretty strong language. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People are treating this like it's quite bad. And the the magnitude of the reaction, I would argue, um, kind of suggests that this, in, in favor of the majority of this being authentic. I mean, experts quoted by top publications say that uh, all of this stuff appears authentic. The the way the documents are put together, all the codes, uh, the format, it, uh, it's very, very much authentic. And uh, they, they look at least like they're taking this with very seriously, which is cause enough for concern. But on the other hand, multiple countries, including Ukraine, including South Korea, are saying that uh, the parts that are relevant to them are fake. Also, we got to keep in mind that Intel is not infallible. These intelligence agencies, they're good, but they make mistakes. So, you know, we, we got to account for that error. Russia spread information through third parties before, but I don't know if they would do it through an obscure Discord server, but, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert. Uh, the information in the leaks is serious, but it doesn't really contain attack plans. So, you know, uh, it, it's also got a very negative assessment of what Russia has been able to accomplish over the past months. And why would Russia release that? So you mentioned that at least one document was edited. So someone basically might have found the original leak early enough and edited it. Why? Why would somebody do that? 
Well, yeah, the, the, the bits that appear to be edited and uh, not skillfully, I would say, um, the were the ones about the casualties. Um, they seem to have uh, raised Ukraine's casualties greatly while lowering Russia's. There's two versions of this. One appeared on 4chan, and it's got like lower Ukrainian casualties, higher Russian casualties. And then there's one appeared in a pro-Russian telegram channel, um, which says the opposite, which has, you know, high Ukrainian, low Russian. And then this is this document is, is believed to have been altered. It's possible other documents have been altered more skillfully, but uh, this is the one that really stands out. We already discussed that at least some documents had information about Ukraine. So let's get into that. What exactly did the documents reveal about Russia's war and also everyone involved? The breadth of this is extreme. It talks about uh, Ukraine's buildup, the U.S.'s relationships with its allies and what it hopes to them to commit to in terms of the Ukraine uh, situation, all the stuff on Russia, um, incredible intel about Russia. There are multiple documents that uh, show that the U.S. has thoroughly thoroughly infiltrated the Russian military, Russian intelligence apparatus, uh, and uh, the, to the point where, you know, U.S. gets daily real-time warnings about incoming attacks, it could pass the information along to Ukraine. Uh, the intelligence aid that the U.S. has been giving Ukraine is pretty staggering, and now we see how they're, you know, they're able to deal with that excellent system. This is bad that it's leaked because Russia now sees, you know, which sources of information appear to be the most compromised so that only they can, you know, wax some moles and, you know, have some heads roll and make it much harder to get actionable information to the Ukrainian forces. Because Intel is huge and the Ukrainians as much as that as much of that as it can get. You know, it's uh it's understandable if a bit grim. Um, the, uh, more interesting part is that the U S has been spying, not, a, not only on its enemies, but its allies, including president Vladimir Zelensky. I think the intelligence community knows that allies spy on allies, but it's still really uncomfortable when that kind of stuff comes out. Uh, U S intelligence network trying to source signals intelligence related to Zelensky. Um, it had info that he wanted to strike into Russia and territory in, uh, February, I believe. And uh, that's part of why they were reluctant to give Ukraine long-range weapons, even though those would really, really help. They are afraid that Ukraine will strike Russian territory, I guess. Interesting. I guess that explains why it took so long for them to give us the long-range weapons. It's also interesting that, of course, the Zelensky's administration was having a completely different narrative publicly. We were saying that we're not going to strike Russian territory and so on. Well, you know, in terms of long-range weapons, I think we're still waiting for the longest-range ones that would really make Russia's supply lines useless anywhere, and I think that uh, this offers an insight into that. There's another factor, which is China. Um, if Ukraine takes more forceful uh, moves with longer-range weapons, China might come in and uh, start painting NATO as the aggressor, helping Russia paint NATO as the aggressor. They just create this whole narrative. China can't be discounted. Obviously, they're talking to Russia right now. Um, so that's another concern of the U.S. intelligence community. Was there anything about the upcoming counteroffensive? Yeah, the, uh, some of the documents forecast that Ukraine's ability to retake more territory will be middling at best. Ukraine will try to reclaim territories eastward while pushing south to cut off Crimea. But uh, they're starved of equipment and uh, other things, and uh, 
the prognosis doesn't look optimistic from the U.S. side. This is this is not good because um, it's going to be harder to convince countries to provide uh, more support if they think that Kiev has a lower chance of success. Um, because Ukraine needs to keep pulling out victories if it wants to keep the momentum going. And speaking of ammunition and supplies, um, the documents contain very detailed information about um, how many munitions Ukraine is getting from the West, how many it's using, what's the current level of uh, buildup for the various brigades that are going to be used for the counter counteroffensive. Uh, Russia will be able to look at this information and uh, shore up its defenses accordingly. It might it could keep track on where each brigade might strike and. Uh, make it harder for Ukraine to achieve its objectives. It, it shines a lot of light where and really eliminates parts of the Ukrainian military where, that Russia should not be seeing. Was there any info about foreign governments that are involved in the war one way or another? Yeah, there was a lot of information about uh, foreign governments and uh, the, the stages of negotiation with the U.S. about supplying Ukraine. There was uh, South Korea who doesn't want to be seen as supplying a nation at war. There is uh, Israel, where we, we heard that uh, the U.S. might want to push them to supply weapons to Ukraine. Um, when this stuff comes out in the open, it becomes very awkward. It raises a lot of questions. Um, as I said before, there were revelations that the U.S. spies on its uh, allies, which people in the intelligence community know. But again, it's very awkward when this stuff kind of stuff comes out. There's also information about uh, Russia trying to source uh, weapons from other countries like with Egypt they were trying to they were in talks with the the president of Egypt to supply uh tens of thousands of rockets and uh a bunch of artillery shells um there were uh, Wagner was supposedly in contact with entities in Turkey to get weapons from there those are two examples another piece of information that goes back to the blaming NATO thing uh, one slide suggested that there are 97 special operatives uh, from different countries in Ukraine, from France, from Latvia, from the uh, United States. Um, probably they're doing training, but just the fact that they're in the country could uh, let Russia and uh, like-minded countries uh, construe that this is uh, NATO as a direct belligerent. How damaging is this leak? How have the governments around the world been reacting to this? Well, it's not great. It gives Russia a lot of information it can use to make any counteroffenses by Ukraine more difficult. It also sows discord uh, between U.S. and its allies at a time when unity on Ukraine is necessary above all. In the U.S., the reaction has been that of concern and outrage. Um, there are multiple probes going on, one by the Department of Justice, one by the FBI. There's those intergovernmental probes. Um, this is um, very bad timing, and uh, I think outrage does kind of sum, sum up the U.S. reaction. Uh, some of the U.S.'s allies are also saying, like, what the hell, you know, what's, why did this happen, and why is this exposing such sensitive information? And how is Ukraine reacting? Well, generally speaking, Ukraine downplayed the importance of the leak and kind of shunted it into the, you know, this is Russia playing games sort of category. Uh, Zelensky's advisor, Mikhail Podolyak, said that uh, if um, someone pretends like they know all this information. They don't know a whole lot, so don't trust it. And uh, uh, Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Maler said uh, that uh, we have to be prepared for uh, psychological operations and that uh, the only documents we should trust are official ones. And uh, th that was basically Ukraine's reaction is to sort of slam the door on this thing and um, not really react like this is a legitimate 
authentic league. It's interesting, though, that there is such a stark difference between how Ukraine is reacting to this intel leak and how essentially the rest of the world is reacting. The Ukrainian officials appear really, really calm. Yeah, yeah, they've been they've been uh, quoted as saying that uh, Russia's major operational victories has been in Photoshop. But uh, a source close to President Volodymyr Zelensky told CNN that military strategies are already being adjusted on the basis of these leaks. So. You know, Ukraine is probably taking more notice than we are told about. You mentioned that kind of the public consensus is that Russia is behind it and Ukrainian officials and the Ukrainian public often kind of takes this approach to many issues. But in this specific instance, we have no way of knowing whether Russia is behind it, though, right? There, there hasn't been any concrete evidence yet. Well, we don't. We can guess that Russia might be behind some of it because some of the documents were altered to make Russia's casualties seem lower and Ukraine's casualties seem higher. Those were the um, low quality alterations that we mentioned earlier. Uh, US officials told Reuters that Russia may have been involved in that one. Uh, But we don't know the extent to which Russia is involved in uh, the leak or the modification of the leak documents. Uh, Russia obviously said it wasn't involved. They um, trotted out their usual line that everyone blames them for anything. Of course. Um, however, we know that Russia's leaked stuff in the past, uh, the biggest example being in the 2016 presidential election when Russia le- uh, leaked emails of the uh, U.S. Democratic Party and uh, did other type of interference in an attempt to sway the election. Uh, Russian individuals and uh, organizations have been charged and convicted for interfering. If it's not Russia, then who else could be behind this leak? According to the reporting I'm seeing, the U.S. is considering four or five different possibilities. It could be a disgruntled intelligence employee. It could be an inside threat, uh, ideological, perhaps. Um, the uh, Right now, we don't know for sure. Um, Russia could be behind some of this. Um, there are also people, like I said, postulating that this might be uh, an attempt at disinformation from the West ahead of the possible um, Ukrainian counterattack. But based on the reactions in the U.S., um, that doesn't look like a likely possibility. Now we'll be answering a few questions that we received from our supporters on Patreon. Our patrons actually get a chance to ask us questions before every single episode. And they also get access to exclusive events like thematic discussions with editors and other journalists and more. It's really simple to receive this access. And for as little as $5 a month, just go to patreon.com slash independent. So the first question is, um, the Ukrainian military is quoted in Western media as being aware for a long time that Washington leaked like a sieve. So have tended to be cautious about how much information they shared with the U.S. Do we think that this is accurate? There's some something to that. Based on the documents, uh, we can see that the U.S. Uh, might know less about Ukrainian forces, its allies, than it does about the Russian forces, its enemies, and that might speak to a certain reticence by Ukrainian forces. Another question that we got is, wouldn't it be more productive for the Ukrainian and U.S. governments to provide a unified response to the leak instead of Ukraine immediately calling it a Russian fake? And as for us journalists... Do we think that these recurring conflicting responses between Ukraine and its allies somewhat discredit Ukrainian responses on matter involving the allies? 
Would it be more productive? Yes, uh, I, I think it would be more productive. It would be great uh, if we could all just uh, take a common a united front, but uh, that would require some kind of perfect world and both sides to have perfect information about each other's intention. Um, as for um, the other question, the other half of the question, rather, I, when I get Ukrainian information that about the allies that differs from what the allies are saying, I obviously check it and put it in context. Um, it has to be checked. That is my job. But I don't necessarily think it discredits Ukraine because there might be reasons why Ukraine has to maintain certain narratives, um, even if it differs from those of its allies. I was going to say the exact same thing that it's not that Ukrainian officials are just straight up lying or something. It's that, you know, they might be pushing forward some intel while maybe concealing other intel and so on. And there's always context to that. And we all understand, I think, that when Ukrainian officials kind of strain away from the official Western rhetoric, they do it for a reason. And our jobs as journalists is to find what those reasons are and, and report on them as well. Yeah, information is a battlefield too, and uh, Ukraine has important reasons for saying certain things. Well, Igor, thank you very much. This was very interesting. Thank you for having me. Also this week, 100 Ukrainian POWs were freed in a prisoner exchange, Ukrainian government reported on April 10th. Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister Irina Vereshchuk said that Ukraine is starting an international coalition to return orphans that were kidnapped by Russia, and also punish those who are guilty of crimes against Ukrainian children. And Yevgeny Prigozhin, the chief of Russia's mercenary group Wagner, claimed on April 11th that his forces captured 80% of Bakhmut, but Ukraine immediately rejected the claim. You can find our show on YouTube and all audio platforms every Friday morning. If you like this episode, subscribe to us and like our content wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please consider supporting the Krim Independent on Patreon at patreon.com slash independent and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>